All right, this is the episode that you put on your headphones or Bluetooth speaker and clean, organize, or declutter while we're talking because underneath all of that mess, we are gonna find contentment like never before. So go ahead, grab a black trash bag or a donation box, or if you need a time will tell bin, which is where you put items that you're just unsure about, have that on hand as well. And uh, pick a drawer, a closet, garage, and let's work together as we talk about the biblical concept of contentment and how we can find it underneath all the stuff today. Recently, we had the opportunity to travel to a vacation rental in Florida. I am so grateful that we had a place to go. It was a, a beautiful townhome in a resort community. And because we have three little kids right now, they're ages four and down, I knew that if we were gonna take a vacation or go someplace to warm up this winter, it had to be a place where we were gonna settle in, the kids could take their naps, have some routine, and it just had to be super family friendly. So being able to go to a little resort community that has then like a pool, that the kids love the lazy river, uh, some water slides and things like that. We actually really never left the resort which was amazing but I bring this up because when you go to a hotel or especially a vacation rental home you get there the kitchen just has the bare minimums of what you need they give you exactly enough towels for the bathtub and the pool they have exactly enough bedding for the beds and you don't have to worry about managing any of that I mean you'll run some loads of laundry but you're not worried about you know if there's extra sheets in the closet or anything like that and so I feel like when we go to a vacation rental or go on vacation life is so simple and it allows us to let our guard down we feel like we can let down we can settle in the time with the family feels more focused and intentional we played i mean i don't know how many rounds of go fish i played with my four-year-old and we had a great time you know and we had so much fun in the tiny little pool in the backyard and it felt like we had just such quality time together as a family but why is that why do we have to go across the country and pay you know however much a night to let our guard down and to breathe that sigh of relief and to spend quality time together as a family well many of us have more clutter and things happening in our home than we realize or maybe we do realize it and we just don't know where to start. And so today I wanna continue on. Last week on YouTube, uh, I did some spring cleaning and decluttering with you. And I wanna build on that conversation from a biblical perspective because I do believe there is a deep and lasting contentment that is available to us, that can weather the storms of life and that is completely independent of our things and we can find it below the clutter and the piles today. Really quickly, I want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Trades of Hope. I am so proud of this partnership because we're helping women around the world break free from poverty and earn a fair wage for their family. And they make the most beautiful handcrafted jewelry, handbags, and home decor. Right now, you'll receive a free gift with your purchase of $75 or more. So thank you so much for your support of this podcast and women around the world when you shop Trades of Hope. Find the link in the show notes or in the description below. So the passage that we're going to focus on is from 1 Timothy 6, and it's pretty familiar, but I want us to listen to it and hear it afresh today. This is 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, 
we will be content with that. And so just to kind of set the stage for who Paul is talking to, Timothy was his spiritual son. And so he lived out on the the very outer edge of Galatia in a province called Lystra. It was a Roman colony. um, So he was growing up under the Roman influence and it was right on the edge of the civilized earth. So the Romans were using it to kind of protect from any of the wild tribes that might try to infiltrate. Well, on his first visit, Timothy would have been very young. Um, but the Christian faith really appealed to him. See, Timothy's mother was a devout Jew, but his dad was Greek. So he grew up in a mixed household. And we don't even know if his father is still on the scene when Paul comes into the picture. And so Paul actually circumcised Timothy, which was really interesting because it wouldn't have been required by the Christian faith. But he did it so that Timothy would not be an offense to the Jewish people that he was trying to reason with and convert. So a really interesting choice to not do anything or to do everything in your power to make sure that you have credibility and a voice with the people that you're trying to evangelize to. Very interesting. But also this shows us that Paul knew that Timothy had a call of an evangelist on his life. And so he felt like it was important for him to take that step. And then we see that from Paul's second visit, uh, Paul finds that Timothy had become a leader in the church, even though he was quite young. People were speaking really highly of him. So it was at that point that he really adopted him in and started training him more intentionally and taking him along uh, to help plant churches and spread the message of the gospel. And it ends up that the language that Paul uses toward Timothy was that of a natural son. He calls him his true son. And the word that's used in the Greek has two meanings. It was the word for a legitimate child in contradiction to an illegitimate child. It was the word for genuine as opposed to counterfeit. So Paul is actually saying, my spiritual son is my real genuine as if he was naturally born son, which is a really beautiful picture, especially, you know, last week we were talking about reaching our young people. And I do believe that our young people would love to be parented in the faith. They actually are genuinely looking for older people who care, who have time for them, who invest in them. And I do believe there's a passion that we can tap into with our young people uh, that we will see them do things that we never dreamed of. And they will advance the church and the faith like never before. And so it's a fun encouragement when you see potential in a young person to take time to invest and to, I mean, think of yourself as a spiritual parent. So the main passage going back to that is godliness with contentment is great gain. And the word for contentment here is autorakeia. And it was actually a key word that was used by the Stoic philosophers. So a Stoic would be someone, for example, who always keeps the thermostat in their home at 75 degrees or at something that's a little bit beyond what some of us would consider comfortable, but the idea would be that I'm always going to live in a state of slight discomfort or I'm not going to maximize the comfort that's available to me in order that I be more flexible, uh, less easily like rattled or made uncomfortable. And the whole goal of a stoic was actually to find contentment within themselves, that they would need no other outside influence to make them happy. 
Now, in the Christian faith, we know that we are actually looking to the Lord and we are trusting in him and our faith in him and the spiritual blessings that he bestows on us for our contentment. So the ideas aren't too far off. It's just that we are looking to find peace and contentment through the Holy Spirit, not completely within ourselves. But this thought process, this idea of contentment was actually found throughout the different philosophers and religions of the time. A leader in British history, George Herbert, wrote, For he that needs $5,000 to live is as poor as he who needs but five. And if you take a moment and kind of get your head around that, like if I need $5,000 to get through, I don't know, the month or the quarter, I am actually as poor as the one who only needs five or maybe 500 would be a better uh, interpretation. It's an interesting concept. And I know a lot of us have been on this journey of trying to live more simply. And we've probably found that the less we have, actually, the more content we are. Um, but I don't know why it still feels so countercultural to live this way. But again, back in Paul's time, this was pretty common thought. So there were Greek philosophers, one named Epicurus, and he said of himself, to whom little is not enough, nothing is enough. Give me a barley cake and a glass of water, and I am ready to rival Zeus for happiness. And so he's saying, I just need the simplest of portions, and with that, I will be happy. And someone asked him the secret for his happiness. His answer was, add not to a man's possessions. So don't add any more things to what he has, but take away from his desires and the things that he's longing for. And so again, it's an interesting uh, contradiction, but I think we all like deep within really trust this to be true. And if we look at the Jewish rabbis of Paul's time, uh, they were saying things like, who is rich? He that is contented with his lot in life. And we all know some people who seem to have a lot. They have a happy family, they have a, a good home or a good job, and yet they're, they're bitter, they're discontent, they complain a lot. And so it's so interesting. I think we can see from the outside looking in how often um, that discontent can creep in no matter how many things that we have. And so an important distinction though is it's not that Christianity is calling for poverty. There's no special virtue in being poor or having a constant struggle to make ends meet. But it does actually call for two things. It calls for the realization that it is never in the power of things to bring happiness. And again, you know, my twin sister Dawn, the minimal mom on YouTube, um, and her and I have been we feel like kind of pioneering this message as it relates to faith, that simple living and faith actually go hand in hand because we actually, many of us don't realize how overwhelmed we are by our stuff. And there is a great lie of this generation that the more we have, the more secure that we're going to be. And the other thing that the Christian faith calls for is a concentration upon the things which are permanent. And I feel like this is the thing as Christians that we lose sight of the most living in this day and age. We are just not trained to be thinking of, focusing on, looking at the things that are eternal. It, it, we just have so much instant and disposable everything in our hands, everything, everything is disposable, everything is instant. And so we are constantly focusing on the temporal. For us, 
to train ourselves to be thinking about what is eternal? What are the seeds that I am sowing? What are the good works that I am doing? What are the ways that I am participating in the kingdom and advancing the good news of Jesus Christ? It's hard for us to make that shift and focus on those things consistently. But the reason we're talking about this today and what I'm making a case for is the less physical stuff we have to manage, the more time, energy, and focus that we have for spiritual things and focusing on what's eternal. We're gonna get right back to the conversation, but I wanna take 30 seconds to tell you about my small group. It's a private membership community where like-minded women like me and you get together to study the Bible, pray, and grow in godly living. So if you've been looking for a group of like-minded women where we can grow in our faith together and encourage each other on, I wanna invite you to join us. We have our very own app where we can check in throughout the week. I pop in most days and say hello, and we can have private one-to-one conversations. Plus, every Saturday morning, we get together live for guided Bible study or prayer. If this is your season to grow in your faith with other awesome women, I wanna invite you to join us. Find more details in the show notes or in the description below. So I'm just going to land on this last part of 1 Timothy 6, and then we're going to talk a little bit more practical tips about decluttering and freeing ourselves from all of this stuff. So 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 continues on. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so this is actually one of the most misquoted sayings in the Bible. It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money in itself, possessions in themselves are neutral. They're neither good or bad. It's the love and passion for it that leads for evil, and it leads a man to be selfishly serving himself and not actually looking toward the Lord and the others around him. So the desire for money tends to be a, a thirst which is insatiable. And you may have seen people go down this path where it starts with a job promotion and it starts with a raise. And then before you know it, all they're doing is working and working and working and their kids are growing up without them. And you see that the need just intensifies. It never actually goes away. And also the desire for wealth is founded on an illusion. This is the one that I think our generation is really suffering from. It's founded on the desire for security. And I feel like this is why our culture is dealing with so much anxiety and depression right now, because we have all of these possessions and all of these comforts and more discretionary spending than ever. But then what crops up in us is a fear of, oh no, what will happen if I don't have this anymore? What happens if I lose my job and I can't maintain this lifestyle? What happens if recession really does hit the country and I have to go without some of these things? Now, again, if we can just stop and think critically and looking at this passage and believing biblical truth, we would actually know that we could still find contentment with whatever our lot is, and also that the Lord promises to be faithful to provide, and that he will be with us, and spiritually he will bless us and maintain us. But we don't often stop that thought process, and we don't dismantle it to really land on and 
build our lives on that truth. And so again, that's where taking time today to declutter, uh, slowly walking through this process is going to help unhook our hearts from trusting more in the things of this world and less on our ability to provide all of these comforts and possessions for ourselves. So let's turn the corner. Let's just talk really super practically about spring cleaning, about putting some of this into action. Some of us may not even recognize the clutter that has creeped in and the things um, that are actually causing some stress and anxiety in our lives. So if we just go back to the absolute basics, what is clutter? Here's kind of a few checklist questions that you can ask yourself. Do you own anything that you never use or no longer need? Like clothes that don't fit anymore or old electronic devices. This can be one of the trickiest ones, especially clothing. You've spent money on it and you're like, I'm going to get back into it. I'm going to get back to that goal weight. I'm going to, uh, okay, it's not quite the style anymore. I don't choose it anymore. It's a couple of years old, but I paid good money for it and I used to love it. And so that can be a really tricky one. Do you have a junk drawer of things you think you need, but you don't actually ever use? Do you find yourself buying, and I think most of us do, just for the record. Do you find yourself buying new items to replace ones that you actually have but you've lost in your house? Do you lack access to certain spaces in your home? I think this is a big one. For example, you can't open the door to your basement or a closet or park in your garage. Are you afraid to have house guests over because of the messy state of your home? And so no judgment here. All of us most of us either grew up this way, have this, have had it, or do have it right now. This is this is so common to our experience right now in our culture. So no judgment and uh, absolutely no criticism here. Like we've all either lived in this boat, are currently in this boat, or trying to get out of this boat. So I just want to run through some of the impacts that this clutter is having on our mental health. So it's actually proven that we cannot rest or relax as easily if we're in a cluttered home. And one study found that women who reported more clutter in their homes had higher levels of the stress hormone cortisol throughout the day compared to women who had less clutter. You know, we're already living in such a demanding time of history with phones and media and work schedules and kids schedules. And so anything that adds to our cortisol level right now is actually really damaging to our health long-term. Obviously it leads to weight gain, uh, poor eating habits and lack of sleep. And so this actually right here, this one should be enough for us to be like, okay, help. What do I got to do? Let's, let's try and make a change. Difficulty focusing. Clutter can actually be distracting. Our brains can only focus on a limited amount of stimuli at a time. So if you're surrounded by clutter, it's hard for your brain to think clearly because it's always trying to process all of the items that are surrounding you. Procrastination. This is an interesting one. Research shows that people with cluttered homes tend to procrastinate on important tasks. You might have to dig through stacks of papers to pay the bills, or maybe you have so many piles of dirty clothes that it feels overwhelming to start the laundry. I think many of us can relate to that. Or trouble controlling your impulses. You may be more likely to overeat or binge on media if you're in what feels like a stressful or chaotic environment. But here's the one that I want to focus on. Difficulty with relationships. It's not uncommon for spouses, partners, or even roommates to argue over whether one person's things are taking up too much space 
or if they really need it, or if that item could be better organized or put away. And so there can be added strain in our relationships when we have a lot of stuff. But the bigger thing is we might not be open to inviting people over to our home if we feel a sense of, if our home feels cluttered and we can start to feel isolated. And I do think this is a big one that many, many people deal with. And if we go back to our passage, the, the thing is, as Christians, we know that the secret to happiness is not in money, but it's actually in our relationships. It's in people. You know, again, the Lord is faithful to provide if we can place our trust there. And we can find contentment with our lot in life. But I think all of us know deep down that the thing that really makes or breaks our happiness in life are our closest relationships. And so many of us feel isolated right now. So many of us feel like we don't have the depth of friendship relationships that we desire. We don't have that best friend or that support system that we long for. We don't have someone to physically come and give us a hug when we need it. And so that one for me is the biggest one. And that affects our emotional health as well. It even affects our sleep. It's crazy. Even being in like being together in person releases hormones that help us to feel good and safe and secure. And so this is the one I think that is taking the biggest toll on our emotional health and our physical health. And when we bring all of this together, can be one of our greatest drivers in decluttering our home and seeking the Lord more actively in this next season. So what are some ways that we can do this? Uh, Again, practically, I hope maybe you've been decluttering or cleaning while you're listening to this. Also, I do want to offer, we are so proud of this devotional uh, that my twin sister Dawn and I did together. It's called Decluttering by Faith. It's a 12-week devotional to strengthen your faith and loosen your grip on stuff. Now, what's really fun about this material resource is that this is an awesome journey to go on with a friend, a neighbor, a group of friends. We even have a private Facebook community for individuals who are leading this as a small group, and you can still get access to that. And you can have support in just like some of the the logistics of running a small group. Or though, again, I invite you to do it with a sister, a friend, a neighbor, And go on this journey together because it's going to help you to become even more established in your faith. And also, step by step, week by week, you'll have different challenges for each area of your home to go through that process of decluttering. So I think this is a great resource. Dawn also, of course, has a private community for decluttering. I have a private community for spiritual growth. Uh, So depending which one you want to start with first, if you're like, maybe if I declutter, I'll be more spiritual. Or if I focus on my spirituality, then I'll have the strength to declutter. So just offering some of those resources. And of course, we're going to be here, podcast, YouTube, social media, all the places to continue to walk out this journey with you and to encourage you. So if you are listening on YouTube or social media, I would love to hear your comments. Either what have you seen? How have you seen your contentment increase as you've simplified your home? Or what's one 
practical next step that you're going to take in order to just take a step forward on this journey. So again, leave your comments or you can always email me. My email address is in the show notes. So Father, I thank you so much for this time. Lord, I thank you that you care deeply about us. You care deeply about our contentment. You care deeply about our emotional health and our relational health, Lord. So I pray that you would help each one of us to take that next step, whatever that next step might be. If it's taking a box to the donation center, if it's clearing out a bag of trash, Lord God, if it's uh, starting a small group or walking through with this devotional, Lord Jesus, that you would guide us, that you would give us grace, that you would give us strength and focus. And Lord, I I pray for our relationships. Lord, I pray for strong, uh, connected, intimate relationships where we can do life together, where we can support one another, where we can pray, Lord, where we can let our guard down and where we can get a hug when needed. And so I pray for each one of us for those strong relationships where we can encourage each other on. So Father, I thank you for this time together and I bless each one of us now in Jesus' name. Amen.